And then 2014 is when I started getting that, you know, group training and, and you know, weight loss challenges together with the right program and supplementation. And then we started like now growing. So it took me literally five years before I saw any traction. Five years of getting up and be like, oh, I gotta do something. I gotta make something happen. Oh my God, is, am I gonna come back? Is my house gonna be there? Are they gonna change the locks? Cause I'm getting foreclosure notices on my house. What am I going to do? I'm like, what, you know, you know, what am I going to do? What's my kids going to think? Is, is my kids going to grow up the way I grew up? Because I can't afford to, you know, take, send her to college. I can't afford to do anything. So all of that stuff, I said, at the end of the day, you got to move. You got to move. You can't sit down and feel sorry for myself. And, and, and even today, like I'm sitting down in front of you. It's like, you know, I don't have financial issues, but I still have issues. I still have issues that I got to overcome. So. No matter, like I said, no matter where you are in life, you're either in a problem, left a problem, or headed towards one. Mm, so how, like you deal, how you deal with it is how you're going to overcome that. The 7 Rock Life Show is about stories that inspire with people that you will admire, learning to develop new chapters in life, learning from the past, but letting the old stories expire so it gives room for the new stories you create. Our brand is about three things victorious in your life, contributing to society, and having fun along the journey. Seven Rock Life is a lifestyle that inspires and gives back with a mission to impact the world one life at a time. I'm your host, Steve Mazurko. Thanks for tuning in and being part of this journey. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to the Summer Rock Life Show. I'm your host, uh, Steven Zerko, and I'm here with, uh, with an awesome, awesome uh, guest today, uh, Sam Bakhtar. How you doing, brother? I'm doing fantastic, man. Thank you for having me. He's on the treadmill, doing a podcast, one percenter, and that's, you know, I'm so excited to get into your story. We connected through social media, knew some of our friends and people that we know, um, Manny Kabashian and Josh Snow, and uh, just a little background on Sam. He's got a great, great just life resume of, of the ups and downs. And I think I'm really looking forward to uh, diving into this because it's being authentic and real. And I think people love hearing that. And, you know, he was one of the, uh, he's a doctor and chiropractor, um, first bodybuilder um, to be uh, in, in every weight class um, and also a family man. He's got an amazing lifestyle. He's got great taste of cars and also has gone through bankruptcy, through ups, through downs, went to Penn State, just a, a, an awesome resume with what he's gone through. And I'm looking forward to hearing just your story. And I know you grew up in Iran, right? Yes, I did. Yep. Amazing. Amazing. So, so yeah, let's get into it. So to kind of talk, talk to us a little bit about, you know, the Seven Rock Life, um, you know, nation, just your, your story of how you grew up, because I think a lot of people don't realize being from another country, what is kind of embodied in you when you come to America and what that did for you and, and kind of how that all started. So I grew up in a, I would say, middle-class family, you know, in Iran. You know, I was born in, you know, Tehran, Iran. And um, when I was three years old, two things happened that was kind of, at the time, devastating. And when I say, anytime I say at the time devastating, because if you look back in anyone's life, I think, I believe that devastation is always a, a, a setup to greatness, you know, you know, you know when, when something bad happens at the time, you think, oh, my God, it's the end of the world. But when you look back 
as long as you persevere, you're going to, you're going to come out better on top of that. So when I was three years old, you know, my mom and dad, they separated. My dad went to Canada. And after that, I never saw my dad again, which was a big blow to a three-year-old boy. You know, you know, all of a sudden his dad going away. And then next thing, next thing you know, you know, our country started getting attacked by Iraq and Saddam Hussein. And, um, you know, I remember every night, you know, there were sirens, black house in the city, you know, they were dropping bombs, you know, we were shooting at the planes, you know, it was like a fireworks, it was like a Disneyland fireworks, but it wasn't fireworks, it was, it was warfare. And uh, that's what happened. You know, was, what part of Iran was that in? What city? I, I live in Tehran, Iran. And the, and the crazy thing is, I really not talk, don't talk about this much, is that we lived literally about a mile away from Ayatollah Khomeini, who, which was the ruler of Iran, which they were attacking, Saddam Hussein was attacking his compound, you know? And we were literally, like I said, a mile away, so we were in, in the line of fire. Wow. Well, let me ask you a question. I actually asked Manny this a little bit. Why do you think that part of the, of the world, you know, during that time, what, what, what was the reasoning of just so much chaos and, and warfare? I mean, it, there's, there's been history of it, right? Where, where does it stem from? You know, it's all, it's all go back to, you know, egos and religion. You know, you know, people get all crazy about, you know, the different kind of, you know, you know, you know I, I truly believe that when you are, religion is awesome, but when you become fundamentalist and, um, and become so crazy about religion, you know, that that's when things get all messed up. So yeah. that's, uh, that, that area always had issues. Well, what were the top things that were good that came out from growing up there and the things that you said, I'm not bringing that over here to the States? Well, you know, you know, growing up, man, you know, over there, no matter what you do, there's no opportunities, right? So when I came to the United States, all I saw was opportunities. I mean, I just come to the grocery store. Even to this day, when I go to the grocery store, I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> all different types of apples, four different types of milks I could choose from. All these different things, and then back then, I mean, we had real shortages. You know, it's not like right now we're during COVID nineteen, where oh my God, it's like water and toilet paper shortage. Not, that's not a real shortage. People being greedy. Over there, there was real shortages. Like for example, you know, if your last name started with so such and such, you can only get gas on Wednesdays. You know, between this time and this time, you know, uh, you can only get bread, you know, one bread a week. You know, and, and it was real, real shortages, real, real stuff. So when I came to America, it was just like, holy crap, how many different types of candy bars do they have? I'm like, that's insane. You know, so even to this day, I'm mesmerized because I, all I see is opportunity. You know, so, you know, I think that's why immigrants, when they come to America, they have such an edge because they come from an unprivileged background. And when they come to a privileged society, all they see is like, wow, I can monetize on this. I can, I can make something out of myself. I can make a living out of doing this. And, and that's why we see that what's called the immigrant edge. You know, um, I like that. The, the, the things that I, I despised was the fact that I felt, I felt like everybody where I was, all they did is gossip and complain. You know, and I don't know if it was a, it's a cultural thing. I don't know if it was a family thing, but it was a bunch of gossip and complaint. And I, I, I'm just not, I'm, I just, you know, I, I learned that 
complaining, gossiping, and making excuses, is just not what I'm going to be all about. Yep. I, I don't want to do that. I don't want that for my life. I don't want that for, um, you know, I don't want that for my family. Yeah, you're either going to create or going to complain. And you've chosen to go down the creating route. Where was, so that's interesting. And, I, and those are some things that I've, I've written about the immigrant because my parents are from Belgium and from Sicily. I see just the, that immigrant edge. There's an energy about them and just how they go about their day. And, and obviously I see that with, with you and, and, and certain people. Where was your turning point in your life? Was it in your, your, your teens? I know, you know, you got out of, uh, you know, Ram, but how were your teens and early 20s? What was that like for you? It was, you know, my teens was tough because, I mean, we came to America when I was 11 years old. Matter of fact, it's so funny. I just posted a picture of me and my mom when we came to America, you know, because me, my single mom, 500 bucks and one luggage, wow. we, came, we came to America. So when we were coming to America, I did my research in America. You know, they didn't have the internet back then. My research was watching a couple of American shows, you know, and TV shows and seeing, oh, what's, what's, where am I going? You know, and uh, back then there was a, a few shows called Dallas, Dynasty, and the A-Team, you know. And, um, the A-Team, even though I'm, I'm 32, I remember the A-Team. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, that, they made a movie about the A-Team, you know. So Dallas, Dynasty, and the A-Team. And, you know, for those younger people who are listening to this or watching this, it, those are like the Kardashians of today, you know. Everybody was like rich and filled with rich. So I thought I'd come to America, everybody had mansions and Bentleys and swimming pools and, and all this crazy stuff, you know, and um, I had a rude awakening because, you know, we had one relative in America, my, my uncle who was going to college here, and he picked us up from Pittsburgh Airport and he took us to, to a little town in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, called Sharon, which was an old steel mill town that all the steel mills closed at the time. This is 1985, in the middle of crack cocaine epidemic, and he had what most Middle Easterners do when they come to America. He had a convenience store in the worst neighborhood that I've seen to this day. You know, and uh, I remember outside of the store, I got out and there was like abandoned buildings, brick roads. You see like pimps, prostitutes, and drug dealers outside. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, it, was a, it was a shock because I thought I was going to Beverly Hills. That's what I thought America was. And I was like, what is this? I'm like, this is ugly. This is ridiculous. And, you know, and I was the, we were the only minorities in that whole region, in that whole town. So it was black people, there was white people, and there was us. When I went to school, you know, you're 11, 12 years old, preteen. You know, you come and you're like, you know, you're not accepted. Your clothes are different than everybody else. Your haircut is different. You know, you don't speak the language. They're talking about not belonging at that age. You know, you want to belong to someone, you, a group. So I went to, to enroll in seventh grade. And I said, hey, I want to enroll in seventh grade to learn English. But I also want to play football. And they're like, yeah, football, football. I'm like, that's weird. I'm like, that's rugby. <laughs> so, I, mean, I mean, football. But this is the foot and this is the ball. I'm like, this country is weird. How can that be football? That's like with the hand. I, I, I was really confused now, you know. And they're like, no, what you're talking about is called soccer. And we don't have a soccer team. We have football, baseball, and basketball. And um, I didn't know anything about baseball. To this day, I don't know anything about baseball, to be honest with you. Really? You know, no, I really don't know. Never, never liked baseball. Football, I love now. But back then, I didn't know nothing about it. 
So the only thing that I knew, I never played. The only thing new I knew, I've, I've seen was basketball because I knew, okay, for basketball, I've seen it before. How hard is it to get a throw the ball in the hoop? So I said, okay, I'll try out for the basketball team because all my life I played soccer. So I wanted to you know, play sports and I tried out for the basketball team. Everybody who made the team, the only person that didn't make the team was me. Hmm. You know, I was the only one out of 23 people that didn't make the team. And I remember that day, I walked home in the snow, cried the whole time there, went and told my mom, I don't want to play basketball anymore. I mean, I don't want to live in this country anymore. I want to go home. This country sucks. This is what I, what I, what I thought it was going to be. You know, um, you know, kids are making fun of me. Kids are bullying me. And now, you know, I, you know, I don't have a sport to play. My mom said, hey, look, you know, she said, you know, uh, all you have to do is this. We can't go back to the old country. We came here as refugees of war. So what I want you to do is I want you to go to this boys club after school, walk over there. You know, you get off at 2.15. You, you'll get there by about 2.30. Practice from 2.30 to 5 o'clock. After I get off work, I'll come get you. Then we're going to do your homework and eat. We're going to repeat. So you get better, you try it next year. So that's what the plan was. So I started going there playing basketball, getting better and all that kind of stuff. But one day when I was going to play basketball, I saw this guys coming down from the stairs from this room on the second floor. I'm going like, what are they doing? Who, who are they? I'm like, why? They look, they're all buff and they have big biceps and big chest and they all look like Arnold and, you know, Sylvester Stallone. And at the time, the Rocky movies were all hot and all the, the Terminator movies were out, you know? And I'm like, man, I want to look like them. So I went to this room and slowly but surely I started lifting weights and I was small, scrawny kid, real bad genetics, man. I mean, you know, I had a belly and skinny arms and skinny chest and shoulders, you know, so I started lifting and um, boy, it was tough, man. The first time and I thought I died because I was so sore and I, had ben I put Bengay all over me. <laughs> you know, first time I put Bengay all over me, I didn't know that I can't go bathroom and and pee and touch my private part. And I tried my private, but I put begging on it. I was like, that's real stuff, you know? It's like Vicks. If you put too much Vicks on you, you feel it, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I started developing what I call baby muscles after a few months. You know, you know what baby muscles are? No. Baby, muscles, baby muscles are muscles that you can only tell on yourself. Nobody else is noticing it. <laughs> so, so I was like, ah, so that gave, that gave me confidence. That gave me like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm getting stronger. Oh, you know, I'm feeling better. You know, like I'm not, you know, I'm overcoming obstacles. Because life is just like weight training. You have to, no matter what you do in life, there's always going to be a bigger obstacle to overcome. And no matter how strong you, 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 you're in weight training, there's always going to be more for you to lift. Mm. Always a bigger weight. You know, I haven't mastered all the weights because every time I master any weight, there's more weight to go. You know what I mean? So and you're, you'll never master life. No matter what you over, overcome and achieve in life, there's always the next level. Yep. So that's what I love about weight training and what it, what it taught me, the discipline, the, 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 the consistency, the persistence. You know, I, I saw that, you know, obviously one or two workouts didn't do it. I had to go back and back and back and back and back and work out, work out, work out. To, to get where I wanted to go. So I became obsessed 
because I fell in love with not only what it did for me at, you know, in my body, but what it did for my mindset, mm-hmm. how I felt about myself, my self-esteem. And then I decided that that's what I want to do the rest of my life. So literally at that time, what age, but what age were you? I was 12. What? 20? 12. Oh, 12 years old. Oh, wow. So I started working out and, 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 and every little allowance that I get, I will go buy, buy the latest muscle magazine and, and buy the late, I will go to GNC first Tuesday of every month. They had like a 20% discount. I will buy the latest potion and powder or pill or whatever. I would like take an amino acid pill and I work out, do a bicep curl and I didn't flex in front of the mirror. I'm like, what is, that? is something happening? What's going on? What's going on? You know? And um, that's when I knew. But my mom, growing up, my mom said, Sam, if you want to be successful, you have to become a doctor. And I want you to become a doctor. So I was lost because I'm like, that's not what I wanted to do. You know, I, I wanted to become, I wanted to, to do bodybuilding. I wanted to learn about, I, I wanted to help other people build their bodies and lose body fat and, and experience what I've experienced. So one day I was out, I was dating a girl. This now, now this is like, I'm like 16, 17. And I was out with my girlfriend and then I got hit. I got rear-ended by a drunk driver. Mm. And I, you know, I was pretty banged up, nothing crazy, but I got pretty banged up. And they told me to go see a chiropractor. So when I, see a, when I went to see a chiropractor, I walked into his office and says, Dr. Machuga. I'm like, wait a second, he's a doctor. Then I talked to him like, Dr. Machuga. I'm like, you're a doctor, right? He goes, yeah. He goes, what do you do? He goes, Sam, I work on the spine, I work on muscles, I work on bones, and I work on people's nutrition and health. Well, well that's exactly what I want to do. You know, <laughs> at least there's a program that coincides with bodybuilding. And so that's when I decided, okay, I want to, my mom said become a doctor. So this is a doctor that has to do with muscles, bones, and nutrition, and spine. I'm all in. So after I went to Penn State, you know, the whole time in Penn State, I was bodybuilding. I started my bodybuilding career. I was working, going to school, graduated from Penn State, came to Los Angeles College of Chiropractic, got my doctor in chiropractic, you know, never wanted to practice, so I went to open up my own gym. I gave my diploma to my mom, and I said, Mom, go brag to all your friends that your son's a doctor, because that's what you wanted. Now can I open up a gym? Mm. So, you know, I borrowed 20 grand from my mom, and I had 20 grand saved, and I started my first gym in uh, February 15th of 2000. That's amazing. Did she charge you interest? <laughs> oh, yeah. We got, I paid her back. She charged me interest. She, she made me earn it. That's amazing. So, so you found something that, that had all the elements of the things you wanted to do. And, and it makes total sense because when, you, when your body, it's those we call it one of the rocks of life, one of the pillars of life. When you feel good about your physical self, it's just you, the way you carry your day, your energy, that's, that's always been since 12 years old, like in importance for you, Sam? have to man i mean as i'm talking to you right now i'm exercising yeah. you, know, you know i have to start my morning you know before i talk to anybody before i do anything that's my anchor you mm. know that's my what, what I, you know what i call you know a uh, perfect part of my perfect day formula part of a, a part of way things that i do to be at peak state for my day love it let's let's get into that i think that'll be really valuable for people you know what why is having an anchor in your life? Why is having that, that start, you know, prepping, you know, prepping and, and I know training and working out 
is you learn so much from it. But let's talk about like in life and family. I know right before this call, you went to go see your son because he was uh, waking up. And I love that you're an entrepreneur, but you're a family guy, successfully married and, and kids. And, and I can see that you care so much about them. Um, and that's a beautiful thing. And I admire that. So let's talk about being anchored in like areas of life. Why is that so important? So anchor and prepping, you know, in business, life, you know, and, and so on and so forth. Well, to me, I mean, look, see, have you ever seen, you know, the basketball players or football players before they get in a game, they go through a series of things they do, a, a ritual. Yep. Right? Like, for example, let's just say, you know, you know, Kobe Bryant, you know, when he went to the free throw line, right? Every time he went to the free throw line, I'm just making this up, but they have their ritual, right? Bounce the ball three times, look up to the basket, spin the ball, bring the shoulders, whoosh. Right, and he does that every single time. That's his anchor. He gets in there, he gets that anchor so he can make sure he has a perfect shot. And I think everybody needs to have that anchor. Everybody needs to have an anchor for them to, to it's, like, it's like a rhythm of the day, a rhythm of their life. And if you don't have that, you can't just get up like, ah, what do you want to do today? What should I do today? I mean, you know what I mean? You know, you've got to have that repeatability, you know, and, um, things that you do to get you where you want to go that day. What are, what are some things that you do in your life? I know, you know, working out in the morning, but like what are some two or three or four anchoring things you do that, that have helped you that can give some value to others? For me, man, right now at, at this point, because it changes a little bit, right? So, 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 so but, but right now, one of my most important thing is to when my son wakes up, I play with him for a few minutes. It's so important for me, you know, because you know, I learned that I, you do not want to regret anything in life. Okay. You know, you know, I love being on your show, but if I have to choose between you and my son, I'll choose my son and you will do the same. Of course. Yeah. So, so when, when that happened, I said, Steve, hold on a second. Let me go. Let me go. Let, let me go see my son real quick. I'll be right back. You know, cause I don't want to be that 95 year old guy, 80 year old guy in their deathbed. and like, man, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. You know, so for me, family time, I schedule family time. I mean, I actually, it's on my schedule. This is no joke. I mean, I print out my, you know, I mean? you know, so one of the anchors that I do, I print out my day the night before. I actually print it out just like you see physical activity. I know exactly at what time I'm doing what. Okay, I schedule family time. I schedule work time. I schedule workout time. I schedule reading time. You know, things that I want to do to be able to take my life to the next level. You know, and life is all about having a plan. But more importantly than that, Steve, is executing the plan and being consistent when you don't even feel like it. Yep. Not one day did I get up at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning and say, ah, man, I can't wait to go to the gym. Dude, I'm just like anybody else, man. I want to, I want to hit that snooze button. Today, if you look outside, man, it's kind of foggy. You know, oh my God, man, it's kind of fog. I don't feel like getting up and all that kind of stuff. You want to, you know, lay in your bed. But you know what? I know if I don't do it, my whole day is going to be off. I'm going to be off rhythm. And I don't want to, I don't want to miss the whole day by messing something up like that. My anchor. You feel the equilibrium is off then. 100%. 100%. What, but what, a, is, are there things that scare you? Yeah. You know, one of the things that scares me is being broke. And not being able to provide. My whole why, you know, um, dude, I'm a simple guy, to be honest with you. You know, I'm a simple guy. Like, I, I can be, 
in a one-bedroom apartment and have a bunch of books and the internet connection. <laughs> you know, you know, and I'm I'm good. I'm good. You know, it, you know, um, you know. I, I used to think that well, the mansion was going to make me happy. I, I thought maybe the Ferrari was going to make me happy. A Lamborghini is going to make me happy. You know, the Rolls Royce is going to make me happy. Having you know, a bunch of watches, exotic watches, gonna make me happy. When I got there, I'm like, that's not what makes me happy. I, I figured out what makes me happy. And for me, happiness comes from forward progression, not the material things. You know what I mean? So just like, you know, people always tell me, Sam, why don't you just kick back and relax and all that kind of stuff? And I said, I do relax. I, I schedule my family time. I schedule my, you know, thing like that. But I gotta have a forward progression. I gotta become better than I was yesterday, whether it is, you know, with faith, whether it was my family, whether it was my finances, whether it was fitness, I got to get better with, you know, so, um, you know, that's when I learned that for me, none of this stuff matters. This big mansion, it always, doesn't matter. I have to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, and you feel, you feel the best when you're, uh, increasing your batting average of life. What? Yeah. Um, even though baseball is not your, uh, not your thing, uh, <laughs> increasing oh. your yeah, yeah. Here's one thing I learned from Grant, you know, and um, he says something, man, you know, I don't always agree with everything Grant Cardone says. I yep. love him. But one thing that I 100% agree was something that he said, like, hey, in baseball, that's, I know this much about baseball, that you get, you get three strikes and you're out. I know this much. I don't know nothing about the innings. I don't know nothing about why innings are, I don't even know how that works, you know? But in life, you get unlimited swings, mm. you know, and as long as you keep swinging, you have a chance to hit one after par. And, you know, when I look at my son right now, like I said, he just turned 10 months today and he's about to start walking. You know, he's like, he's like, he's like, you know, he's not walking yet, but you can tell he's start. But when he starts, he's going to fall down a thousand times, 2000 times before he masters walking. Not one time does a kid fall down and says, you know what? This ain't for me. This ain't for me. I'm not going to walk. I'm just going to have my dad pick me up. I'm going to have some of my mom with me up. No, he falls, he cries, he'll get back up. He falls, he cries, he gets back up. Falls, cries, he gets back up. And sooner or later, on the thousand time, on the 2000 try, he'll finally get it. But sometimes, as adults, as soon as we fall, we want to give up. Mm. We want to quit. We don't want to. We don't. We don't want to get keep getting back up, and that's something that we need to learn from our from our children. Some something we want to maybe be able to say, "Hey, man, you know, I got to be like my kid. I got to be like like I tell my kid to get up. I got to get up." Yeah, they're they're so resilient. They're just they just. <laughs> it's like no, no, we're we're gonna come at it. So let's talk about that. People right now during this time, um, obviously, people are winning and people losing, right? when you were going through those quote unquote losing or learning times of your life, I like to say it, right. Uh, what, what did you do to, to, to keep progression? You know, when you were down going through relationship issues, going through bankruptcy and all that and saying, all right, how, where did you dig out? Because some people, it's just like they, they get hit, they get pounded by life and maybe they're listening to this and they're just like, man, I lost money in the market. I lost my job. And just like, how do I, what, where do you need to dig into to, to get out of that? See, that's, that's an excellent question. And I'm going to ask you a question. Sure. What are the choices? 
What are your choices? Okay, so here's, here's the way I look at it. You get knocked down. Choice number one is to give up, make up excuses, become a victim, and blame everything and everybody for why you're not where you want to be. And choice B is, okay, so you know what? I lost. You know, I'm, I learned. And I got to I gotta keep do, do something. I got to do something. I got to get back up and do something. You know what I mean? What so, did you do, though, during that time? What were your, some of your action steps, things you read, people you met, activities you did to, to get out of that? Great question. So let's, let, let's go to 2008. Yep. When, you know, the, the recession hit and I just knocked me on my ass. And through all my, you know, my, I told you, my, my whole reason for living is to provide a life for my family that I never had. I didn't have a dad to provide for us. We struggled. We struggled. You know, low-income housing, food stamps, getting evicted, all that stuff. We went through it all. I didn't want that for my family. So when 2008 hit, you know, going from making some decent money before now to almost nothing and almost losing it all and having, you know, you know, being pregnant with our first child with minus $314 on my bank account, I'm like, what am I going to do? So for a moment, I went through like a little depression. Like, what am I going to do, Sam? You're a loser. You're a loser. You're a loser. You're going to be just like your dad that didn't provide for you. You're going to be just like that. You're going to be, you know, you're going to be no good for your children. And that was like, man, I was like, what am I going to do? But you know what? I said, you know, I might have been depressed for a week. Maybe had a few large pizzas, you know, with, with pepperoni and pineapple. I got to send you some New York pizza. <laughs> you know, I love that, man. I love that. There's, there's a couple of places I went to New York, man. It was, it was really good. Um, so then um, I got up. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go figure it out. I'm going to figure it out. So all I know is I got to move. You know, if you want to overcome depression, you don't, need, you don't need to have any white spaces on your calendar. That's how you overcome depression. As long as you keep busy and productive, you don't have time to think about it. You're depressed. Most people are depressed because they sit down and they think about all the shit that went wrong and what they're going to do and all that kind of stuff. Too much time in their hands. I don't give myself, I don't give myself any time to think. I move. I put a strategy together and I move. So in 2008, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to go to work. I'm going to figure things out. Right, my one-on-one personal training wasn't doing it anymore. Nobody could afford six, eight hundred dollars a month for a personal trainer. So my my one-on-one personal trainer was tanking. So I was like, okay. So I tried like different challenges, different weight loss challenges. I tried you know small group training. Then I started group training, and I didn't even start doing anything till like 2010. We started group training, started getting a little bit of traction, and then 2014 is when I started getting that you know group training and and you know, weight loss challenges together with the right program and supplementation, and then we started like now growing. So it took me literally five years before I saw any traction. Five years of getting up and be like, fuck, I gotta do something. I gotta make something happen. Oh my God, is, am I gonna come back? Is my house gonna be there? Are they gonna change the locks? Because I'm getting foreclosure notices on my house. What am I gonna do? I'm like, what, you know, you know, what am I gonna do? What's my kids gonna think? Is, is my kids going to grow up the way I grew up because I can't afford to you know, take, send her to college? I can't afford to do anything? So all of that stuff, I, so at the end of the day, 
you got to move. You got to move. You can't sit down and feel sorry for myself. And, and, and even today, like I'm sitting down in front of you. It's like, you know, I don't have financial issues, but I still have issues. I still have issues that I got to overcome. So no matter, like I said, no matter where you are in life, you're either in a problem, left the problem, or headed towards one. Mm, so how, like you deal, how you deal with it is how, um, is how, you, um, how you're going to persevere and that, that, that is how you're going to overcome that. So here's something that I'm going to tell you. Depression comes from living in the past. Anxiety comes from living in the future. Hmm. Happiness comes from being here today and being as productive as you are today, right here, right now. Dude, that's so good. Say that one more time, please, because I, I think that's so powerful, those three statements. Depression comes from being in the past, living in the past, and regretting what you did in the past. You can't change the past. You can't change. All you can do is learn from it and move on. I can't go back, you know, do not, I don't regret anything, nothing. Because I am here today. All the, everything that I've done, everything that I've fucked up made me who I am today. So I'm not going to live in there. One of my mentors told me, jets don't have rear view mirrors. <laughs> okay? Then I, I used to be a king of anxiety. King of anxiety. Because I was like, okay, what if this happens? Oh my God, what if this happens? Oh my God, what if this person does this? And what, what, what if that happens? And I was always anxious. And I had this anxiety. And I was always like, I was like, I was, I was nervous. I was never, for many years of my life, I was never present. I'll be talking to you, but my mind will be somewhere else. Mm. You know what I mean? And then I thought, okay, I, can't, I don't want to be living in the past because that's dep depressing. I can't live in the future. I can't, I, I can't predict the future. So I'm not going to be anxious. I'm not going to have anxiety. All I'm going to do is try to win one day at a time. I just want to win one day at a time. And if I don't win enough days, I'm going to win the month. I'm going to win the year. I'm going to win the decade. And then I'm going to win my life. That's so good. I love that. Who, who is, uh, who's been some of your top influencers, people that you've been mentored by and people that you've kind of seen from a distance? You know, one of my top influencers, I would say, is, you know, Anthony Robbins. Yeah. You know, you know, you know ever since I came to America, I saw his infomercials on TV. <laughs> and when I got to, you know, go to his events and got to meet him and, you know, shake his hands, it's always been... Jim Rohn, I, I, I never met him, but I love his books and all that kind of stuff. Did you, you know, go on to those yourself or did somebody recommend to you? Yeah, yeah I, I, somebody recommended them to me. Yeah. You know? And you know, right now, you know, my mentors are like Andy Frasilla, mm -hmm. you know, Manny Koshbin, you know, um, you know, Ed Milet, you know, Patrick but David. You know, those are guys that, that, that I, you know, when I, you know, uh, Tim Story, my spiritual counselor, you know, you know I, so these are... I surround myself with people that I can call on if I need anything and, and, and they can guide me the right way. Isn't it beautiful though, how in today's culture and world with podcasting, YouTube, now Instagram, TikTok, yes and no, you know, there's dancing and then some, you know, some, uh, right now it's more of a dancing app than, you know, inspirational app, but, but, um, but dancing can be inspirational too, you know, right? But how there's so much information out there for you to just, digest and, and use in your life. But do you think that sometimes you can get information overload? Absolutely. 
Yeah, absolutely. Let, let, let me give you an example. When I live in my old country, we had three channels on TV. And every night back then, we found something great to watch. Every night we had something great to watch. Right now I have like 1,600 channels. <laughs> and there's nothing ever good to watch. So they say that confused mind can't make a decision. Yep. Right? If you had one book, you have one book and you, okay, I got to read this book. If you have 2,000 books, you're like, oh, wow, what? I don't know which one, I don't know what to start. Then you don't start. So the trick is, you know, you know um, is to find a mentor, find somebody that you resonate with, you want to emulate, and just stick to that one person at a time. You know, at one point in my life, Steve, I was like a seminar whore. I went from seminar to seminar to seminar. I was listening to 50 different people. You know, I was in a hundred different email lists. I was getting an email from this guy, an email from this guy, an email from this guy. You know, the key to life is this, the key to business is this, the key to marketing is this, you do this. So I was getting it this way. And guess what? At that time, I was the brokest I've ever been. One day I realized, man, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna opt out of everyone's email. I'm gonna stop listening to everybody. I'm just gonna to listen to one person and go all in on my own craft and not get bothered with a shiny object syndrome. And that's when I turn around my life. Mm, that's, that's so true. That's so true. Grow, it's interesting you say that because growing up, my dad always said, um, stop trying to you know, stay in your lane uh, and stop tuning into so many channels. Tune, tune into the channel. Because when you channel your focus into your sport or entrepreneurship or relationship that you love, you'll produce the most energy uh, during that time. And it's so interesting that you said that. Yeah. And I guess that's what makes you a one percenter. You want to talk a little bit about that? What what one percenter? How that came about and, and what that means to you? So when I first launched one, the one percenter brand, you know, um, I first got a lot of slack from it because a lot of people didn't understand, you know, what, what I was coming from. You know, and um, so I, I put out a T-shirt that says, be a one percenter, the other 99% are fat and broke, which, which for me thinking, now that I think about it, I can see why some people got it the wrong way. But my thinking was different and people who know me and people who hang around with, with people who want to better their life, they see it differently. So, you know, people thought about, oh my gosh, so Sam says, you know, he's a one percenter because he's, you know, he's shredded and he has, he's a millionaire, so he thinks he's better than everybody else. And that's not what, what, what one percenter was all about. One percenter is all about someone who is willing to do whatever it takes and willing to pay the price to go from where they are to where they want to go. Someone who's willing to not be the popular choice. Someone who's willing to go against the green. You know, Warren Buffett said that if you want to be successful, look at what everybody else is doing and go do the opposite. And that's what 1% is all about. 1% you know, you know, nerds understand that the key to life is delayed gratification. It's going against the grain. And that's, that's what my whole 1% are brand. I love it. I love it. I, I, I really enjoy just hearing your story and just uh, what, what you've gone through. And just some of my top takeaways is, is how organized you are. You know, win the day. Um, I think that's such a powerful thing without a doubt. And, um, 
tuning into to, to one channel or two channels, not so many channels because we have so many distractions, especially in today's world. Um, so many things that can take you away. And uh, I think that's, that's, that's amazing. What do you think? We'll, we'll wrap up in five minutes. And again, we appreciate this time so much. I know a lot of people are going to get value from this. What, um, what, what do you think the world during this time needs to, to learn? Well, I, I just, you know, if I would leave the world with one message, this is what I've learned in life, is when things are good, they're not always going to be good. And when things are bad, they're not always going to be bad. So be prepared. When, when, when things are good, be prepared for the bad. And when things are bad, persist and persevere because you're going to turn the corner soon enough as long as you keep going. I love it. I love it. We actually asked a question. I don't have to ask you it, but I'll say what the question is. At the end of every podcast with the Sarak Life Show, we ask, um, if you had a billboard for the whole world to see, what would your message be to the world? So you just answered it. <laughs> that, would, that would be it, you know, because throughout my life, you know, I've learned that life is not linear. Life is not like this. You know, we want it to be like this, smooth sailing. The life is this, go up, go Life is full of, full of surprises, and that's what makes everything right. One thing that I've learned when I went to medical school is that, believe it or not, stress is vital to life. Okay? It's vital to life. Why? Because without stress, your body has nothing to work for. You mm -hmm. need to have some stress in, in your body for you to be able to hit your sympathetic nervous system and balance the sympathetic nervous system with a parasympathetic nervous system, you know, you know, heteronorepinephrine and epinephrine and, and be able to have your body learn to balance these hormones with each other. Now, how, why is it, you know, we know people that, you know, nothing bothers them. And we know people that, oh my God, what am I going to do? I have laundry on Wednesday night. Oh my God, what am I going to do? I can't do laundry on Wednesday nights. You know, so all you have to do, stress is always going to be there. The ups and downs are always going to be there. How you see it and how you react to it is all the difference is going to be from somebody who's going to make it in this life and not somebody who's not. Mm. And you would nope. kind of say it's your fuel in a way. It's your fuel to, to push you, yeah. It really is. I mean, I always say this, man. You know, do you, like, do you watch any of the fights, boxing or MMA? I do a little bit, yeah. I mean, I, I did karate growing up, you know, for years. Have you ever seen somebody get hit straight and then laugh it off? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So the guy, the, guy, the guy just gets like clocked right in the face. And you're like, what's wrong with you, that guy? You, get, you actually get more afraid of that guy. <laughs> that guy was like, he just like acknowledges the guy and goes, you know what? That's a good hit. You know, you got me, right? <laughs> I guarantee you, he didn't do that the first time. The first time he got punched in the face or kicked in the face, he probably was like, God, this sucks, right? But this was the hundredth time or a thousand time that he got in the face. Now he's like, okay, this is a part of what I do. So I gotta get used to it. So in life, when life punches you in the face, acknowledge it, I'm like, okay, cool, you got me. Okay, this is cool. What can I learn from this? What opportunities are this at for me? Mm -hmm. I've overcome stuff in the past before, and I thought it was the end of the world before, this is going to be another obstacle that's going to come. It's not the end of the world. 
So now let's kick back, laugh it off, and see the opportunity that exists in it. Mm, I love that. That's so good. I love it. it it's uh, really awesome. And you know, I know you're, you're, you're a busy guy and on the go, and I, I appreciate you, you know, being on the show. And where can people find you? I'll, I'll add your, your IG and you know, any, any information. I know you, you have a podcast as well um, with a beautiful scenery, by the way. You know, which car is your favorite? Honestly, man, the Infinity. <laughs> Just my SUV. Really? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I get that asked all the time, and people are surprised, man. You know, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm getting that. car is my favorite. <laughs> it's like, it's funny, man. You know, I don't, you know, with the sports car, man, I'm like, it was cool, but I'm too old, man. That's not good for an hour, you know, after a while, you know, it's like, it's too uncomfortable, too small. You know, I got a dog. I have three kids. I like to go throw them all in the SUV and let's have fun. Man, that's, that's the best thing. I can go to Ferrari, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so you can, they can Google me, Sam Bakhtiar, S-A-M-B-A-K-H-T-I-A-R. And my Instagram is the same. I'm very active on Instagram and Facebook. Or they can, you know, text me directly if they need to. It's 909-200-4015. Love it. Real quick, actually, question with that. What made you... Where did the shift happen? Because content is huge, right? And your real estate, your business card is your social media in a way in today's world. Um, how you, so what, when did that, you know, last question I'll ask you is when did you shift that and why did you do that? What, what motivated you to, to, to kind of be online? Like Ed Millett's story, he talked to Anthony Robbins. He was a quiet guy, successful, and then came out and, uh, you know, into the world with podcasting and look what he did. So what, what triggered you? For me, man, I mean, what, what really triggered me was the fact that it, it, it's, it's a fulfillment part. You know, you, you know when, when I was dead broke, I couldn't think about, I wasn't thinking about making a difference in, in anyone's life. I was just trying to breathe. I started not lose my house. I was trying to feed the family. But when I got to a place where I'm like, you know what, I'm okay financially. You know, I'm good, you know, you know, I can always improve. But now how can I make my heart happy? How can I make a difference in this world? How can I have somebody say, hey man, you changed my life. You know, nothing is more gratifying for me. You know, and I, and I through my companies, I get that all the time. Through my companies, I get people always calling me and, or messaging me and say, Sam, you know, your program changed my life. I lost 50 pounds. I couldn't run around with my kids anymore. Now I'm running my kids, Sam. My doctor said that, you know, I, I don't have the diabetes anymore. Sam, so many, so many things. And now through my coaching program and, and through our franchises, a lot of people say, Sam, you know, I never thought that I could take a vacation with my family like this. Sam, you know, well, we all used to live in, you know, a, 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 a little apartment and now we have our own first home. So th at the end of the day, man, it's not all the stuff that you acquire. You want to have your basic necessities met. And my, my basic necessities are certainly met, you know. Now, what can I do to really feel good inside about myself? Mm. You know? And nothing is better than making somebody's day, making somebody's life, you know, making a difference in someone's life. And that's why, you know, I started doing that. That's awesome. I, I love your spirit. I love your heart. I know this is our first time connecting, but just from afar, it's amazing what social media can do because you can see, you know, you hear the stories and you hear, you know, the, the people and just uh, who you are as a person. I mean, it, it's crazy to think that you were a kid in Iran you know, bombs going off, you made it out of there. And then you come to America and, you know, you get to go see your kid in the morning and you're on a tr treadmill doing a podcast and, you know, you get to live a great life. Like how, 
how much perspective you see. I was in Africa last August and it's like, when you see the perspective, you never forget that, you know, you, you're anchored to what you grew up around and then you look at what you're doing now. And I, I think it's just amazing what you're doing with, uh, for others lives for your social media and just, you know, you, you inspire me, you know, and, and I'm so, we're so blessed to have you on the show. I know we're definitely going to stay connected and continue to, to build a relationship, but, um, you know, appreciate you so much. And I know, I'm going to listen to this again because uh, it's, it's great information with what you went over and everything. So you want to leave anything, one more thing to anybody? Steve, I appreciate you. It's, a, it's an honor and privilege for you to have me on your show. Thank you for your time. And thank you for doing this, man. Thank you for putting out great content out there to, like I said, to, to help other people overcome, you know, and yes, let's, let's stay in touch, you know, and, um, and there's anything that I could ever do for you, man. You know, you have a real friend in me. Uh, I appreciate it, Sam. So guys, go check him out. Follow him. Uh, check out his courses and everything. And uh, keep inspiring the world. We love you, Seven Rock Life Nation. Enjoy the rest of your day and rest of your week. Share this with your friend and uh, keep inspiring.